Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I woke up to this quote this morning. I'm guilty of one of those people, the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and I click on Instagram. I hope that none of you are guilty of this. But the first thing I saw was this, quote, if you are unhappy, change something, quit your job, move, let go of a miserable relationship, stop making excuses, you are in control, end quote. This is not the gospel, my friends. Now, I don't want to get too down on it, I think. We who believe in the theology of the cross and radical grace, the fact that Christ is moving towards us, even when we're running the other way, can sometimes poo-poo a little too much, you know, a pep talk or self-improvement techniques or motivational quotes. I definitely, when I was in college, I hated this kind of talk. I was kind of anti this kind of talk. Now that I, you know, I'm the big time priest in charge while the rector is away, I need all the motivation I can get. I need all of the, you know, to be on it. Make sure I'm on my calendar. Come on, I need these quotes. I mean, talk to, to Blues out there. He's a rear admiral. He knows that when you're in the military, these motivational sayings, these self-improvement techniques, they can be very helpful. Think about when you played a sport or when you were in band, or maybe you didn't play a sport and were in band, but you saw those people, they needed to get themselves up and they needed that kick in the rear end. They went, wanted to be productive. And that's what I want to be. But you and I, we live in the good old U.S. of A., and I love it here. I'm never going to bash the U.S. No matter how crazy our politics get, no matter how polarized we are, my family, you know, they fled the Nazis. America is awesome. That said, here in the USA, we have this cult of productivity. You know what I'm talking about. It's like a friend of mine who I met with last night who bore his soul to me and said, I've been working over 100 hours a week since July of last year, and all I want to do is quit my job right now. And there's a job that I might not get, even though I was told I was going to get it, but I might not get it, and I'm, I might lose my mind. That is not the kind of productivity we want. But I know a lot of you are under that kind of pressure, too, and a lot of you watching, maybe you couldn't even be here today because you're under that pressure right now. When I read St. Paul, I see the exact opposite. We regard nothing and no one from a human point of view. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this isn't just something St. Paul made up. Look at our first reading. Look what, look what Samuel says, that God does not look on the appearance like mortals do. He does not look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. The good news of the gospel is that it really is upside down from our current day values, from the values that we have because we want to get up out of the bed in the morning, the values that we have because we want to be productive, the values, that, and these are all good things. I'm not saying these are bad things. Again, I don't want to poo-poo it too much. 
But I don't know about you, but I've been exhausted this past year. I've felt the, the temptation to be productive since March, whatever it was, 12th. And I've been going all in. And I know you are too, so I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, Ben's working too hard. In fact, praise God, you guys are so generous and I haven't had to. My friends, we all have this tendency. Ask anyone in our office. Ask Jim, ask Chelsea, ask Jake. When we have a meeting, I want to be on target. I get really annoyed when people get start talking about things completely unrelated to what we're supposed to be talking about because I want to be productive. And again, I would say that's not a bad inclination, but I've had to learn that being human, being whole, the, the good news of the gospel is that I don't have to be a slave to the cult of productivity. Now, if you go outside these walls, outside these doors, that is what you're going to get here in New York City. I've been here seven years. A whole lot of you have been here longer than me. But you walk through those doors and you feel the energy. Maybe you came from the Midwest or even from Jersey, right? I'm right across the river. It's not that different. But you get onto Manhattan Island and there is a buzz in the air. And don't get me wrong, I love that buzz. I am drawn to that buzz. I've been here this long because it's energizing. It's exciting. But I don't think we were really meant to live this way, working 100 plus hours a week, losing our minds. But this is what Paul's talking about. It doesn't really make sense. If everything is about productivity, if everything is about money, if everything is about success, which you know, I get caught in on all the time, well then, go be as productive as possible. If you're unhappy, change something. Quit your job. Move. Let go of that miserable relationship, that other person who is holding you back. Stop making excuses. You're in control. Now again, I don't want to be too hard on this because if you read all of Scripture, you do see, you do see wisdom literature. You do read Proverbs. You do lead, read this stuff that's going to impart a motivational you know, saying, or be strong and courageous in the Lord. These are good things. But according to St. Paul, the evangel, the kerygma, the one thing needful is so different than a lot of that. At the very least, it's so different from the cult of productivity that we all worship day in and day out. The good news of the gospel is, according to St. Paul, foolishness to the Greeks. It's foolishness to the philosophers in us, and it is a stumbling block to Jews. Now, this isn't Paul's a Jew. He's not talking bad about Jews. He's just saying the way we think of things, because we make wisdom literature the gospel. We make the cult of productivity into the end-all, be-all. But what Paul is saying is that the one thing needful is so backward. And the one thing needful is this, that there is nothing absolutely nothing at all that we can do to undo what God has done in our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is the opposite of this quote. 
And I'm so grateful for this quote that I stumbled on this morning because it's perfect for what I'm preaching. The good news of the gospel is that no, you are not in control. And yet, Christ is making things right anyway. That Christ is moving towards you despite everything. The scandal of the gospel that Paul is talking about is that in our baptism, something that's outside of us, something that when you see it happen to a baby, right? The baby has done nothing to deserve this love. But in our baptism, this outward sign, again, this thing that happens to you, not something that you do, that you and me, we've been reconciled to our Lord, to God Almighty, to the one perspective that matters most in all of the cosmos. But we are told in this text, in this epistle, and throughout Paul's writing, is that you and I, though we were once enemies of God, have been made his friends, not by virtue of anything that we've done, but by virtue of what God in Jesus has done for us on our behalf. Do you see how opposite this is from the quote I mentioned at the beginning? Stop making excuses. You are in control. The good news of the gospel is that it had nothing to do with you and me. That God has made us right with him because of what he's done. And through baptism, through faith, he has bonded us to himself in Christ just as he bonded our sin to his, his sinless self. This great exchange, the unrighteous for the righteous, Christ being made sin so that we might be made righteous. My friends, this, is, this really is the opposite of everything I read at the beginning. This is, really is the opposite of all those things that essentially the subtext is justify yourself. The good news of the gospel and that we read here is that you and I have been made new creations. That in Christ, God has made all things new. That you are already righteous. That you are already loved. That you are already worthy. Despite what anyone else says, and despite what you think about yourself, this is the wisdom of God. Foolishness to the Greeks, a stumbling block to the Jews. Really, the message for you and me leaving this place is that we can be, we can become what we already are, and that's righteous, that's loved and loving, and that is worthy. When you think about it, it really is too good to be true, right? You, you might think this is a sales pitch, and there's a little asterisk at the bottom, and you're just kind of waiting for, well, what's What's coming? Paul says it's as good as that. You may not feel new. You may feel worse. I don't know. But what he's saying here, and take your bulletin home, you and I, if we are in Christ, we are new creation. You and I have been baptized. You and I have a faith, however fleeting, however small, Everything old has passed away. 
Behold, I mean, I, I don't really like this translation. See, everything has become new. The translation is behold, everything has become new. Again, this is whether you feel it or not. It's just like baptism. It happens to you. It's not something you are muscling up. When we take communion in a second, this is something given to you that's healing you. This is not something that you stir up. My friends, thank God that the good news of the gospel is not you are in control. Get yourselves to get together. Again, the good news is you are loved, that you are righteous, that you are worthy. So be. Become who you are. There are going to be fits and starts along the way. You might not get up till 2 p.m. tomorrow. Maybe not the best way to live. You are still worthy through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in God, if everyone else is a liar, Jesus is no liar. So when you leave those doors and you start to judge yourself and you start to know that you don't measure up, think of the one thing needful, that in Christ, our God says, despite how you feel, you have been made worthy. So let's be reminded of that. Let's taste that now as we come to this table. Beggars, Lord, you've made me worthy. Heal me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.